that changed my life this week. Maybe the best revelation I've ever gotten, and it seemed so elementary when I first heard it. We ready with the podcast? All right. The title of this message today would be Long Distance Relationship. Long Distance Relationship. Let's talk about Jesus first, can we? Since we're in church, I think it'd be fitting to talk about Jesus Christ. We're also going to talk about Peter, Paul, um, and a man named Smith Wigglesworth. He lived, he lived in the early 20th century. Some of y'all are the early 19th century, I guess, late 19th century. Some of y'all know who he is. Some of you don't. I'll tell you a little bit about him. Um, Jesus, though, there was power in Jesus' words. Amen. He cursed the tree and it died. He healed people. He healed the lame. He healed the blind. He brought Lazarus back to death with his words. Because of the power in his words, Peter, Peter walked throughout the city and they said they brought the sick and the lame out into the streets so that Peter's shadow may fall upon them and they would be healed and get up off their, off their mats or their pallets, whatever bed they had out there. Are you following me? Yeah. The things that these men did through, through, the, through the power of God. Paul, that's where we get the prayer cloth today. Paul, they would take articles of Paul's clothing that he had sweat on and take it to people's houses and, and put, those, put that piece of cloth on them and they would be healed. Through the anointing that flowed through Paul. It's not because Paul did it, it's because God did it through Paul, right? Smith Wigglesworth was an evangelist that lived, in, he lived from the year 1859 to 1949. Look him up, there's a lot, of, it's, it's highly documented. He was a pastor and an evangelist. He raised 14 people from the dead. Called them out of their, called them out of their casket. So he went into one place and pulled a man up out of his casket. It was in a dining room that had glass doors on there, glass French doors. Pulled a man up out of the casket, stood him up in the corner and said, uh, told him to live. In Jesus' name, you live. And he said the, the stiff started to slide down the, the wall. And he pulled him back up in and he said, in Jesus' name, you live. Get up and walk. And he, he did this a few times. And, and the man stood up and, and shook it off. And they went walking out arm in arm. In arm. This, was, this was seen by everybody who was at the funeral. There's, there's a lot of eyewitnesses of this. Most of them are passed away now. But he walked out of the room and nobody wanted to talk to either one of them anymore. Are you following me? But these things happen through God using a man. I believe that can still happen today. Has God changed? Has God's power diminished one ounce? That same power that still raised Jesus from the dead is still available to us today. But what's the difference in us and these men? Were they better than us? No. Acts 10.34 says God... I'm starting to grow hair on my head, I feel like today. Acts 10.34 says God is no respecter of persons. So what was the difference then? These men were more consecrated. They were more sold out. They were 100% sold out. Right? They were in the walk with God every day. They were totally surrendered to God, more devoted, more consecrated, in constant fellowship with God. The Bible says pray without ceasing, right? I'm getting ahead of myself, but it says pray without ceasing. I believe that one of the main reasons that Christians fail to be doers of the word, not the only reason, I'm not saying that at all, but I believe that one of the main reasons that Christians fail to be doers of the word, to be doers of the word is because they're not in his presence. We're not actively pursuing him. Sure, we come to church on Sunday. We come back to church on Wednesday, right? We take our Bible home with us. Some of us read it every once in a while, but are we actively pursuing him without ceasing? All the time. All the time are we pursuing God. Are we wanting to be in his... The Bible says if we ask, we'll receive, right? So you can have as much or a little God as you want to have. So why don't we have it in that amount? Why aren't we on that level? They're not better than us. God loves me just as much as he loved John. God loves me just as much as he loved Paul, as much as he loved Smith. So the ball's in my court. If I'm not living in the power of the glory, I'm not a name it and claim it type of preacher either. Don't, don't, don't take me wrong on this. But, but if I'm not living in the power and the glory of God and the victory that God has promised me, then it's my fault. Church, it's our fault. We've got to do something about this. We need to be, we need to be seeking him out all the time, continuously, in a walk with God. 
Um, trying to be a doer of the word. Here's where it's at. It's about the relationship. Trying to be a doer of the word without a relationship is a work of the flesh. Yeah. Right? Y'all going to be slow like this all day? Yeah. Come on. I've told you before, I'm a participatory preacher. I'm going to need a little head nighting, a few amens, and if the Spirit leads you, run up and down the aisle. That's fine, too, as long as the Spirit led. Right? So if, if it's a work of the flesh, it produces nothing. Trying to live out the word of God, trying to be a doer of the word without a relationship with God. Are you following me? You can read in this book. You can understand what it says, all you want to understand it, and you can try to do it. But without spending time in the presence of God, it means nothing. It's not going to work for us. It's not going to produce any fruit in your life without that relationship with God. We make, by doing that, so many times we make the word mechanical, right? We go through the motions of it. We read our Bibles. We show up at church. We warm the little blue chair. We might teach a Sunday school class. We may have a job in the church. But we're lacking in the relationship part of, uh, of our walk. We, we go through the motions, but we're not working on our relationship. Are you following me? And some of us do. Most of us love God. I'm not faulting you for that, and I'm not preaching down anybody. This is where God hit me up with us this week. Most of the time, we're not seeking God out. So many things, we talked about it in Sunday school class this morning, Brother Winston brought up. So many things get in front of our priority list. We've got jobs, we've got families we've got to take care of. We've got kids, we've got grandkids. We've got to pay the light bill. We've got all these things that we have to do. And even if we take the time to get into our Bible and read our Bible, are we seeking God out all day long without ceasing? Think about that. We've got to work on this relationship. It's about having a relationship with the Almighty God. Why were Jesus and Paul and John's words so powerful? Think about that. Why did they get results that we don't see too much today? When's the la- By show of hands, when's the last time you all seen, or how many of you all seen somebody raised from the dead? Nobody? At least a few of these men have done that, right? So why, why were they more in tune with God than us? Has God changed? No. no. Not one bit God's changed because they lived in his presence. That's what it's about. They lived in his presence. That's what they lived for. If I value my spiritual life and if I work on my spiritual life, living every day in, his, in the presence of God, not just going through the motions. I'm talking about a relationship here. Not just going through the motions and not a long distance relationship either. I, I, I'm reaching and I'm stretching and I'm growing all the time. See, we're all on different levels from brand new baby Christians to ones who are, who are Enduring to the end. A lot older, more mature Christians, right? God changes us, and we move along on different levels. We have to continually be striving and stretching and reaching for that next level, making sacrifices. God requires change out of our lives. God requires us to change. we got to make those changes. we got to take correction from his word. Not just see that correction and change direction to get away from it. But we've got to take that correction and apply it to, his li- to our lives. James, in James 1.22, he says, Be not only hearers of the word, deceiving your own self, but be doers of the word. We've got to be doers of the word, church. And if we're not in that relationship, being a doer of the word can be hard. It can be hard. I'm going to get into this here in a little bit. So if we're doing those things and we're reaching and we're stretching and we're doing all those things that we do and we're staying in his presence, doing the word is very easy. If you're spending time in the presence of God, ongoing and continuously without ceasing doing the word becomes a lot easier it becomes very easy haven't even got to the revelation i got this week this is good already right haven't even got to the revelation yet it's very easy though it's only hard when there's no presence it's hard to do the right thing when you haven't spent time with god when you haven't built that relationship with him because then you're doing it in your flesh 
It's only a temporary thing when you're doing it in your flesh. Are you following me? Trying to do the right thing is dry. If there's no relationship, when you get into this book, when you get in your Bible and read it, it's dry. It's work. You got to force yourself to do it. Are you following me? Any of y'all been there? We've all been there, right? If we'll be honest with ourselves, we all go through spiritual peaks and valleys. We all get into lulls sometimes. I don't care. The first time I went through a spiritual lull, it freaked me out. I was worried. I went, Sister Knott was one of the elders of our church, not in a, in a job position that, but she was an elder lady at our church and she had been spirit fed or spirit, uh, filled with the spirit since she was a young girl and, and always lived for God. And I went to her and I said, has this ever happened to you? Because I was worried about myself. I went to her and I, and I went to my pastor and they said, sometimes it's like you're putting stuff in and you're putting stuff in and you're putting stuff in. And sometimes it takes a little time for that stuff to compress. But you got to continue to get back on the horse and get back up. When you get in that law, recognize you're in that law and press forward through that place. Right? you got to continue to press forward through that place. If we're not pushing forward, if we're not reaching, and if we're not stretching for the next level, we'll fall back. You could be the next one. I don't care who you are. Sin is crouching at your door, waiting to devour you. You could walk down this walk for 20, 30 years and fall. I've seen it. I've seen it. We've all seen, seen examples of that. So did, how did Peter's shadow heal? How did Paul's clothes heal? How did Smith, Smith Wigglesworth, let me tell you another story about Smith. He got on a train one time to go from one city to another city, right? Pretty common occurrence in that day. People did that all the time. They traveled by train. There wasn't, there wasn't airplanes in 1859. They didn't have that. In the early 1900s, they didn't have commercial jet airliners yet. So they would get on trains to travel large distances, right? It was, it was a lot easier than riding a horse, or the cars weren't real dependable at that time. The roads, it was most of the roads. So anyhow, Smith would get on a train to travel. So he got on the travel, or he got on the train and wasn't on there very long, and everybody on that car that he was on repented to God. Think about that. Hundreds of people saw this happen. It's not something I made up. It's well documented. You can read about it on the internet. Search Smith Wigglesworth. There's been a lot of books written about him. It's not because he was anything. It was because God worked through him. Because he was consecrated to God. Because he spent time in God's presence continually. Think about that though. How do you get it? We work and work and work to try to get somebody saved. He put it on his agenda every day for one hour at lunchtime. He'd go out and he wanted to see one soul saved at his lunch hour. Instead of eating lunch, he went and told people about the gospel of Jesus. Think about that. One person a day. In a year, that's 365 people. The church couldn't contain them. If we were all that zealous, if we were all that consecrated to God. Think about that, though. So how did these things happen? Somebody was in the presence of God. These men spent time continuously in the presence of God. They didn't get consumed with their life outside the presence of God. I'm not saying that, 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 we, have to, that, that we can't work, that we can't have jobs, that we can't have nice things. I'm not preaching that at all today. I'm just saying that that God's presence and that relationship with God has to be first, has to be our number one priority. So at work this week, here's my revelation, maybe the biggest revelation I've ever got in my life, right? I was at work this week. I had been in a spiritual lull the last week. Things happened. I got busy. We had the grandbaby the week before. I was rushed. We were on the road for half the week, so I was pressed. And when I got here trying to get my message, sometimes the ministry can hinder you. I was pressed so I, to, to get my message done, so, so my personal spiritual life suffered, so I was in a bit of a lull. Not the first time it's happened to me. We just continue to push through those things and get through them. I'm just being real with you. I'm being transparent today. It happens to all of us. Don't feel bad when it happens to you. Just make sure that you continue to press. Make sure that you continue to push through to the other side of this thing. You'll get back up on top. 
God will bring you back up on top if you continue to push into him. So anyhow, this was going at work today. And for those of you who don't know, I work at Ford. I work on an assembly line, and I stamp the VIN numbers. So I was in there stamping VIN numbers on engine and transmissions this week. And, and the Spirit spoke to me, and, and he said this. I, I'm going to read this off the page because I don't want to get it wrong. He said, now hang on, before I tell you this, it's huge, right? It's life-changing. And it sounds real elementary, but if you just think about it for a second, and you ponder on this for a second, it's deep. And it'll expand, and it just keeps getting bigger, right? Are you, Sister Tanya, you're sitting on the wrong side of the church today. I just realized that. So God said to me this. The Spirit spoke to me this. To be, to be in God's presence, we have to realize that we're in God's presence. Think about that right there. To be in God's presence, we have to realize that we're in God's presence. Get a hold of that for a second. You get that? We've got to realize that we're in God's presence. We're always in God's presence. That's really big right there. Let that sink in for a second. But if you get a hold of this, it'll change your life. To be in God's presence, you first have to realize that you're in God's presence. If you'd realize that you're in God's presence all the time, let me tell you this. It'll change the way that you talk. It'll change the way that you act. It'll change, it'll, it'll change the places that you go to. It'll change the people that you hang out with. It'll cause you not to sin against people. You're not going to say the same things. If you realize Jesus is standing right next to you all the time, you realize the Holy, the Holy Ghost lives inside of you, you're going to be more careful with your words. You're going to be more selective of where you go. Are you following me? I have a problem with weight. I'm a fat boy at heart. If I know that Jesus is at dinner with me, I would probably be more careful about what I even put in my mouth. Because I know that I'm damaging this body that he gave me, this life he gave me. I may not be able to stay here as long if I'm overweight. Are you following me? I may not be able to minister to as many people and be used by God. Use my life for God if I'm overweight. So I may, not, I may not even eat the same if I would get a revelation of it and get a hold of that Jesus is right here, right now, all the time. You see, I think so many times, so many times we pray to God and we think, <clears throat> we think that he's, he's over in heaven. He is in heaven. The Bible says he's in heaven. It says that Jesus is seated at his right hand. I'm not preaching anything that's unbiblical today, but the Bible also says he's omnipresent. Are you following me? It says that God's omnipresent. So we think of him, I think that so many people think of God or Jesus as, as somewhere in this faraway place. That we have to, he can hear us if we talk to him, we get his attention, and then he focuses on us. But he's right here living inside of me all the time. God is right here. It's not a long-distance relationship. A long-distance relationship wouldn't affect the way that I talk. Are you following me? It wouldn't affect the places I go. It wouldn't affect the people I hang out with. When me and Brenda first got together, I was working on the road. Not long after we started dating, I was working on the road. And when I was on the road, I was in Arizona, and I was living in a hotel with, with guys that worked with me. So I would work all day long, and she said she would be looking forward to my call when I called her in the evening. So I would call her up, and I didn't want to be on the phone letting the guys hear what I was saying to, to Brenda, right? Y'all, you know what I'm talking about. So I'd be on the phone. I'd go outside, and I'd talk to her really quickly, and then I'd have to, I'd have to get off the phone quick. But I still went and did the things with the guys that they did. Are you following me? I, I, it didn't stop me from hanging out who I was hanging out with because it was a long-distance relationship. Right? I wasn't accountable to her so much because I was out on the road. And she was here. I'm not saying I did anything wrong, but we, we would, we would, it was before I was saved. We would drink and things like that. I mean, you know what I'm saying. We would drink and we would do the things that guys do. So, so it, it, it didn't hold me accountable because it was long distance. This relationship with God is not long distance, though. He lives inside of us. He's everywhere all the time. Omnipresent. I looked up the definition for omnipresent for you today. Everybody knows what omnipresent means? It means this out of the dictionary. The fact of being present everywhere. 
the fact of being present everywhere. This doesn't mean that God's spread out thin. I've seen so many people come to a prayer line and, and, and they'll be needing something, mom, but they'll pray for other people. They'll pray for other people like God doesn't have enough power to heal everybody in the room. Are you following me? This omnipresent thing doesn't mean that God's spread out thin in places so that he can be everywhere all the time. God is fully there everywhere all the time. We can't even wrap our heads around that. I know that we've read it. I know that we believe it. But we don't truly have it in our heart. If we truly understood that God was there everywhere all the time, he's in us. Right? He's around us. He's in heaven. Heaven is somewhere light years away, I can picture. I don't know where it's at, really. But I can picture it being light years away. That's how we measure things in space, right? And as infinite as man's knowledge is, and as far as we've been out there with all the things, we've never found heaven. So it must be somewhere outside of our realm. But there's, he's so big, there's not even any distance in that with God. It could take millions and millions of light years for man and their understanding to get there, for, for, for light to travel that far even. But God is so big, he's already there. Can you get that? Can you get that inside of you? He's there. He's right here inside of me. He's inside of you. He's everywhere. You can't go anywhere. When I, when I was called to preach, I ran from God. I was a couple thousand miles away from home out in the desert. I thought, I'm hid for sure. He's not going to find me there. I came back home for a little bit. My wife and my mom had nagged me to go to church. I wasn't living right. I believed in God. I grew up in, I grew up in a church until I was a teenager. I wasn't living right, but my mom and my wife were nagging me to go to church, so I went to church to shut them up. And the pastor's wife at the end of the service said, there's a young man here today. Cut him off in the altar call. You all that are pastors, you know that's, you shouldn't do that. That's, the altar call is the most important time of the service. But he, she said, there's a young man here, man here today. He has a call in his life, and he already knows it. And I, it freaked me out. I was looking around, who's the young man they're talking about? It was really nobody, because I, I, I knew that I was called to preach. The Spirit had called me. But it was years later, and I, and I didn't tell a soul. So I got up and headed out the back door, and she grabbed me by the back of the arm, and she said, that young man I was talking about today, that's you, but you already know that, don't you? And I went out the back door anyway. I didn't say a word to you. I didn't confirm or deny. But I came back later, and I said, uh, since you know so much, what is it that I'm called to do? Because a calling can mean a lot of things. And she said, I don't want to tell you because I don't want you to be called by, by me. When the going gets tough, I want you to be called by God. So she said, you need to fast, you need to pray, you need to do these things and see if you can figure it on your own. Well, I already knew, so I wasn't going to go fast and pray because I already knew what I knew. I wanted more confirmation from her. So I kept nagging her and nagging her and nagging her. And we went to lunch with him one day and she said, you really want me to tell you what it is? And I said, yeah, I do. And she said, you're called to preach. And ever since that day, the cat has been out of the bag. So the moral of the story is I ran so far away. I was a couple thousand miles from home. And I realized after the, after the fact, after I accepted the calling, that I was right in the palm of God's hand the whole time. You can't hide from God. You can't run from God. That calls without repentance. It never goes away. It never goes away. When God places that call on you, things won't go right. You're not going to be truly happy. Things aren't going to go your way until you come to that call. If you don't believe me, ask Jonah. He can tell you all about it. Read, the story, read that story there. So, so to be in God's presence, we have to realize that we're in God's presence. So I looked up the word realize because I thought realize meant something, but I wanted to make sure what it meant in the dictionary. It means to comprehend or completely or comprehend completely or correctly. Church, do we comprehend completely and correctly that we're in God's presence all the time? I think not. I think not. I don't think we can wrap our little eight-pound brains around even the one term, one aspect of God, omnipresent. 
Do we really even understand that? We can't really wrap our head around that. I talked to you a while back about it. We've been to, we've been to San Diego in the last year. We've been to, we've been to Florida. And you think about all those people that you fly over on the way out there, all the states you fly over, and, and all, the, all the real estate that you fly over on the way there, or I mean, just across this country. And that's just what that little airplane flew over, a little drop in the bucket. God was in all those places. Yeah. And not only in this country, but around the world. Yes. We can't even wrap our heads around that. If we did, we would look different. By God showing me this this week, he changed my life. He changed my life this week because, because it wasn't just I had to sit down and, and pray to God here and there, but I could pray to him all the time. I knew that I could before. It seemed elementary to me. But sometimes he's got to bring things to our remembrance, right? Sometimes he's got to show us again because we're not getting it. We're not getting it. If we were getting it, we'd have the power. We'd have the authority. Things would be working in our lives like they were in these men we were talking about earlier. Right. So if we if we comprehend he is with us all the time, we'd spend more time with him. Isn't that right? Because well, I'll get to that here in a second. First Thessalonians 517 says this. Pray without ceasing. Pretty straightforward, right? Pray without ceasing. I want to give you some definitions right here, though. Pray means communication with God. That doesn't mean that you have to come to the altar every time. You don't have to be in the church every time. You don't have to be on your knees. It doesn't have to be in your prayer closet. Right? Doesn't have to be perfectly quiet. It says pray. Communication with God without ceasing. Right? Communicate with God without ceasing. That's what he's saying right here. And ceasing means uninterruptedly, without without intermission or continual. Continual. Do you have continual communication with God? That's where our problem lies. That's our number one problem right there. We don't have that continual communication with God. Imagine now, imagine this. Imagine if you followed me around all day. Let's use Brother Stephan, for example. Brother Stephan, imagine if you came with me all day, went everywhere that I went, and, and, and you talked to me, but when you talked to me, I ignored you. But when other people talked, I responded to them, and I talked, isn't this how we do, God? When other people, I, I, I talked to them, I talked to them, and I responded to them, right? The only time that I talked to you, though, was right when I first woke up, and that's when most of us pray. We might get down beside our bed or have a devotion or something. I talked to you right when I woke up. I talked to you before bed that night, and I talked to you before I ate. Wouldn't you consider that extremely rude? Isn't that what we're giving God? Continual communication. That's what God wants. Continual communication. Here's another example. Well, me and my wife, Brenda, my lovely wife, Brenda, she's my best friend by far. I don't really have too many other close friends. She's my best friend. When I'm not at Ford or here, we're talking continuously. Even when I'm in one of these two places, we talk on the phone a lot. It's back and forth, back and forth. She'll say one thing, I'll say one thing, right? Not that we're in disagreement, but, but we feed off each other. We're back and forth all the time. Every good relationship reciprocates. Every good relationship has to go back and forth. There has to be, you talk, you listen, you talk, you listen, just like with us and God. Continual communication. We talk to God. We tell him all our desires, what we're thinking about this, that. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It doesn't have to be a great need to go to God. I'm talking about building a relationship. If I didn't talk to my wife all day long, our relationship wouldn't be a good one. Are you following me? It would be long distance. Right now, since I'm with her all the time, we talk all the time. We're commun- she can say things. I might be thinking about things one way, but she can say her opinion about it. Right? And it'll change my actions. 
Picture this with God. When God says something, our actions had better change. Right? Or we're being in contempt of the Spirit. Because He's always right. If my thinking's against His thinking, I know that I'm wrong. I know that I got to get something straightened out. Can you see that a little better when you compare it to, to a husband and a wife? You can see that with God, right? If we'd realize and comprehend, if we could only comprehend that, if we could only comprehend that we're in his presence all the time. Y'all are getting quiet. Are you thinking about this? You're going to change some things now? I hope so, because this caused me to change a lot this week. It really has, and I look forward to continuing on with this. But if we could only comprehend and we could only realize that we're in his presence, we'd spend more time seeking him. More time being a doer of the word. When we seek him more, we're going to be a doer of the word more. It's easy to do, right? When God's sitting right there next to you, talking to you, and you're in constant communication with him, you're going to be a doer of his word. It's going to be easy to be a doer of his words. Our words and our prayers become powerful, though, in that time. Because the relationship, just like Jesus. Not that I'm ever going to be equal to Jesus, but we could be equal to Paul. We could be equal to Peter. We could be equal to Smith Wigglesworth. You throw the name in there. Because it comes from, a, our, our words come from a place of relationship, right? You ask somebody for something that don't really know you, and you might get it and you might not. Are you following me? But you ask your spouse for something, 95% of the time, you're going to get it. If they can provide it, well, God can provide anything, as long as it's according to his will, right? So when we get in this relationship, our words become powerful, become powerful. The way that God will use us will become powerful, the way in God, this relationship I'm talking about is the way that God intended it to be, according to his will. Jeremiah 29, 11 says he has a plan for our life according to his life. So do you think God's intended it for us to be like we are? Or do you think God intended us for us to be like Jesus, our example? And I mean, we're supposed to be his ambassadors or, or, or like Paul or like Peter or like Smith, this other man we've been talking about. What do you think God intended us to be like? Where's the fault lie in that? It's on us. We have to have that revelation. We've got to get a hold of this revelation today. If you want to be in God's presence, you have to realize you're in his presence. You've got to comprehend that you're in his presence all the time. If you'll get a hold of that right there, if we'll get a hold of that right there, it'll change our lives. It'll change the way this church looks. It'll, it'll, it'll change the way this town looks. Let me tell you, if things start happening here like what happened in Peter's day, <laughs> think about that think about that what do you think would happen to the local church if the local church had started operating in the way that God intended for us to operate the way the early church operated what do you think the church would look like today think about that this is on us church we've got to make a decision to do this Matthew seven twenty one through 23 says this I'm almost done I'm going to get you out of here maybe on time today Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. Who would call him Lord, Lord? Who would call Jesus Lord, Lord? A believer, right? Someone who believed that he was the Son of God. So we're talking about Christians here, right? So not everyone who claims they're a Christian shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who who does what? Who does the will of my Father in heaven. Come on, sis. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And 23 says, 
And then I will declare to them, this is Jesus talking here. If you read it in your Bible, it's in red letters. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye who are, I'm King James for you, only for a second there. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You who practice law, this is New King James. So, so this sounds like the Sanhedrin of the day. They knew the word front to back. They knew it forward. They knew it backwards. The people who would have been in the Sanhedrin knew the first five books of the Bible by the time they were 12 years old. Had them memorized. Can you imagine that? Being able to recite anywhere in there, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers. Knowing the whole thing by heart at 12 years old. You think they knew the word? You think they were studying? So they had a head knowledge. They had a head knowledge, but no relationship. No relationship, church. I'm afraid that some of us are pressing down that road. We're here, we're looking at the scriptures, we're, we're learning the things, we're sitting in the chairs, we're even doing jobs in the church. They were doing things in the church. But they didn't have a relationship. He said, what did he say there? Depart from me. I never knew you. I never knew you. Do you know him today, church? Are you spending time on that relationship all the time, church? They had no relationship. Matthew 6, 24, we're going to read 24, 25, and 33 here. So he says, no one can serve two masters. Jesus talking again. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. Mammon means money. Go ahead. No, <clears throat> Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on is life is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Is it not more than those things? So in 25 there, I believe he was saying, don't trade your life for these things. Do you get that out of that? Don't trade. Your, your life is worth more than food and clothing and shelter. Your life is worth more than things. Are you following me? Don't waste your life chasing after things. Use your life to chase after me. That's what he's saying here. It goes on to say, if you read on through, through the rest of these verses, from, from 25 uh, through 31, it talks about how God clothes the birds and, and, and feeds them, and, or clothes the flowers and, and feeds the birds, and, and all the things that God does and he provides. But in 33, it says this, but seek ye first, but I'm going King James on you again. I have these scriptures memorized in the King James. So, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things things right there what's he gonna do with the things shall be added to you god provided everything that you already got anyway the house you live in he gave it to you the clothes you have on your back he gave it to you it's not because of ford motor company that i have a pickup sitting in the parking lot it's because god gave it to me see what i'm saying if ford closed down tomorrow i'm not dependent on them i'm dependent on god i'm not going to freak out if i go there tomorrow and they got locks on the turnstile that's not going to affect me because God's the one that provides for me. God will put those things on you. If he'll, he'll give you those things if you seek after him first. Since I became a Christian, I've made more money when I wasn't a Christian. Are you following me? But since I became a Christian, I have more than I've ever had in my life. Because God has added these things unto me. Because I've seeked, I, 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 I haven't sucked his face, babe. But I've, <laughs> I've seeked after God, or however you say that in the, in the past tense. I, I was preaching one time, and I said, I was talking about seeking God, and I said, suck God's face, seeking God's face, and I said, suck God's face, and it was a big joke for a long time, but my wife 
love to kick me right there, but however, <laughs> however, since I've been seeking after God and putting God first, God has added more to me than I've ever had. My family is more happy than they've ever been. And I'm not saying this to brag on me. I'm bragging on my God today. Yeah. He'll do what he says he's going to do. So, so all our needs are met by God. It's not met by work. It's not met by resources. It's not met by your ability. <clears throat> all those things have a place, though. I'm not saying don't go to work tomorrow. I'm not saying quit your job. I'm not saying don't pay your bills. I'm not saying don't spend time with your family. I'm just saying all those things have a place, but none of them can take the place of God. God has to be number one. Number one, this word first that he used there, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. If you look this word first up in the Greek, it means before anything. Before anything. Before your job, before your spouse, before your kids, before your new car. Your house, anything. You fill in the blank, whatever is important to you, before anything. So God, seeking God, has to be your number one, <clears throat> number one priority. And if you'd realize that you're in his presence all the time already, that's an easy thing to do. He's a great, big, powerful, mighty God, and he still wants to have a relationship with me. Why wouldn't we just be in awe of him when we know, he's, when we know that we're in his presence all the time? We should just be in awe of him all the time, just amazed by him. All the time, the things he does and, and, and how messed up I am. And he still loves me. That's powerful right there, isn't it? He still loves me. He still loves me. So notice what was occupying their minds. She's already taken it down, but that's all right. Notice what was occupying their minds before this. Jesus was correcting them here, wasn't he? They were thinking about houses. They were thinking about food. They were thinking about what they were going to wear, where, where, where they were going to go, what they were going to do, how they're going to provide for themselves. Right? That's what they were thinking. That's what we think today. They might not have a light bill, but they were thinking about something. They were thinking about how they were going to provide. <clears throat> they were thinking about things. That's where I'm going with this. They were thinking about things. And Jesus corrected them on this. You know what I got out of this? To know God more, you're going to have to know things less. You're going to have to know people less. We've got to put God first in all things. We've got to realize that God's here with us all the time. If we would realize, consciously realize, make an effort to realize all the time that we're in his presence. We're in his presence right now. We'll be in his presence in the most horrible place we'll ever find our in, ourselves in. We'll be in his presence all the time. This was a huge revelation for me. I hope somebody here got it. I know that everybody won't get it. And usually when you get a good revelation, well, a revelation that's good to you, everybody doesn't grab a hold of it. I know that some of you will get a hold of it. My mom got a hold of it. I called her this week, and I was so excited I had to tell her about it. I usually don't tell all my message before we get here. Or I didn't tell her all of it, but I usually don't tell my message or let the cat out of the bag until it's time because I want you all still to show up for church, right? So, so I told my mom about this, and, she's, and she said, wow, that is big, and it's still getting bigger, and it's still getting bigger for me, and she just kept getting more and more and more. That's how it was for me, too. I just kept getting more and more and more revelation of it. If I want to be in God's presence, I've got to realize that I'm in his presence. That's huge. That's huge. It'll change everything about you. It'll change everything about your life if you'll just get a hold of that right there. It would change the face of the planet if the Christians, just the Christians, a small minority on this planet, if we would just get a hold of that right there, it would change the whole place. It'll change your family. It'll change where you live. It'll change where you work. Are you following me? Could I get every head bowed at this time? Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. We love you, Daddy, and we praise you, Lord. I pray that you would soften our hearts, Lord, prepare our hearts, Lord, 
to receive this day, Lord. And I pray that you would cause your seeds here today, Lord, to fall on good, rich, deep soil, Father God, and take root, Father. Lord, that it would just take our life over, Father God. Lord, that we would recognize and realize, Lord, and comprehend, Lord, help us to comprehend, Daddy, that you're with us everywhere, all the time. We can't go anywhere without you in our presence, Father God, without being in your presence, Father. And Lord, cause us to just be amazed and astounded by you, Father God, that we look up to you everywhere that we go, Father, and we're looking for you everywhere that we go, around every corner, Lord, and, and and behind every shadow, Father, we know that you're there, Daddy. We know that you're there, Father God. And Lord, cause us to worship you more, Lord. Cause us to pray with you, pray to you without ceasing, Lord. Constant communication, Father. Remind us to constantly communicate with you, Daddy. Lord, I pray this on this church today, Father God. Lord, I pray that you would set a fire through this revelation, Lord. And I pray that you would change the way this, that, that our families look, the way that we look, Lord, the way that the church looks, Lord. Not just this church, Lord, but the, the, the local bodies. Lord, let it spread throughout the town, Father God. We need a relationship with you today, Father. We need a relationship with you today, Daddy, like we've never had. Father, I come before you today and ask you to restore this relationship, Father. Restore us back to you, Lord. Give us true revelation, Lord. Cause us to come back to you, Lord, and repent, Father, for the things that we've, that, that, that we've let consume our lives, Father God, the things that we've, let, that, that we've valued more than our relationship with you, Father. Lord, I pray that you would cause us to change, Father. In Jesus' name, we pray these things, Daddy. Lord, I pray that you would keep this church safe until our next appointed time here, Dad. Just continue to draw us closer to you, Lord. Protect us from evil. Protect us physically, Lord. Protect us financially, Father God. And bring us back here on Wednesday with a visitor, Father. Lord, we pray these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen.